Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. A quick note from our good friends at Cobra about their innovative new family of LTDX drivers, fairways, and hybrids. The LTDX woods feature power core technology, which lowers spin and delivers powerful ball speed upon impact. To ensure the new LTDX line is able to optimize performance for all types of players, it's available in three distinct models. The LTDX LS is a low spin model designed for skilled players with faster swing speeds. The LTDX Max combines maximum stability and maximum draw bias. Thank you very much. And the LTDX is the perfect blend of both, creating the best combination of low spin and maximum forgiveness. For more information about the LTDX line, visit www.cobragolf.com.au or try one for yourself at your nearest golf shop. This is the 19th T podcast, Kieran Marsh and Nathan Drudy back with you for Another week, not just any other week though, Drudes, one of our favourites of the annual calendar, the wrap of one of our Blue Ribbon events here in Australian Domestic Golf, the Australian PGA Championship, and you couldn't have scripted it. I don't think any better. The perfect homecoming for this year's Open Championship winner, and he is now a three-time winner of the Australian PGA Championship. It was a perfect weekend for Cameron Smith. It was, uh, and... I mean, I tell you what, who would be the happiest? I reckon would be the PGA of Australia. I mean, they mm. all their big names that managed to come back, apart from Foxy, were either in contention or close to the top of the leaderboard. And so, I reckon they'd be pretty happy. Cam Smith, obviously, uh, yeah, pretty, just a just a really solid performance, and what we've come to expect from Cam across his just every time he steps on a golf course. Now, I think you're spot on, and and I think probably go a step further in the sense that obviously they did a great job, they being the, the tour. And we've said it countless times in, you know, putting together a great field, not just this uh, weekend gone, but uh, in particular this week coming for the return of the Australian Open. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt, though, that it was, if you had to single out a person whom it was geared around, yeah. it was the the reigning Open champion and a man who, uh, at the time of his departure from the PGA Tour, was the second-ranked player in the world, um, you'd strongly suggest he would remain there in any legitimate world ranking, uh, only behind Rory McIlroy. So uh, it was certainly the Cameron show and the promotion, uh, the Cameron show upon his arrival, uh, and the Cameron show across really three of the four days. So, yeah, an exceptional performance, I think, in the context of what was built up for him uh, for this tournament. Yeah, it was. And I think... I think that's probably what they needed to do anyway. Uh, you know, they they had some fantastic names come back in the likes of Scotty. You know, he was in the lead after the first round. Leash was was playing solidly and, and they had those wonderful feature groups. But you, you're dead right. They really needed Camp Smith to stand up and, and put his best foot forward. And, and he certainly did that. And in Queensland, it, it was all just you couldn't have scripted it better. Um, so I'm sure they're very happy as would... Cam Smith, as would all the the fans that were out there, as would the the uh, one team at golf club, I'm sure would be happy as well. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I, I did hear on the on the broadcast that every time he wins, he shouts the bar at the one team at golf club, and I don't know yes. if there's any truth to that or not. Um, but that's pretty cool if that's if that's true. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, 
I mean, I've, I've been in that clubhouse uh, a number of times. It's not enormous. And look, I'm sure it, it swells in mm. and around ages, particularly those in which he's in contention. I'd say it's that capacity for Masters Championships. Uh, obviously, that's where he loves to play his golf. And we'll probably be going forward at Open Championships. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Actually, I mean, I, I've not heard much um, by way of the celebrations, but were he not on a plane first thing this morning down to Victoria, it actually wouldn't surprise me at all if he ended up back at one team <laughs> last night. Uh, and not not in terms of like having an absolute rager until the early hours, but I get the sense that that would have been a place that he gravitated to rather than sticking around. And I mean this with no disrespect at all to the members at Royal Queensland. Um, but, you know, you cast your mind back 12 months and we spoke to Jed Morgan 24 hours after his victory. He was a Royal Queensland member. And that's where he chose to spend his night mm. was with the members of Royal Queensland. You know, how often does Cam get the opportunity to go back to one team? It actually wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if that's where he spent his evening. Um, and he could physically, you know, maybe put a credit card over the bar as opposed to, you know, <laughs> fixing up an invoice after the fact or yes. uh, or some such. So, look, I mean, I don't want to overplay it too much. And I'm conscious, um, you know, we've probably got a bit to get through. Uh, we've seen some success in short show episodes, Drew, and I are trying to stick to that tonight. Yes. But I wonder if you'll indulge me for a moment, he, he spoke a little bit uh, immediately after about the fact that uh, he didn't know entering the week whether he had a win in him. Um, he, he kind of flagged that in the post round with, with Todd Woodridge, those first few questions. And there are a couple of other comments during the week in terms of um, his last few months feeling probably a little isolated from the game, feeling a little judged. Uh, I, 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 vividly remember a comment about not knowing kind of what reception or not feeling like he knew what reception he'd get when he got back to Australia. Uh, I wonder if we, and probably as is our want given the significant paycheck that he received to make the leap, but I wonder if we under undersell the residual effect of that decision. Clearly one that he laboured on for a period of time, clearly one that he made for the right reasons and, and right motivations, but it's obviously taken a toll. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And for mine, it probably makes this victory a little bit more impressive in and of itself. The ability to shoulder all of that, come home, know the expectation that's placed on him, not only by um, you know the the pre-event promotion, but by the galleries um, that were you know significant across the four days, and to take on all of that, and you, you could just see, I think, when he sunk that part, um, I probably haven't seen him show a lot of emotion like that. Uh, for a little while in terms of the fist pump and looking around and yeah it clear i mean it just clearly meant a lot to him i think in the context of all that's happened this year yeah oh, i think you're right i think you've you've probably hit it on the head there it's i think perhaps you, you know you read the commentary on social media and i think australians broadly and i'm throwing throwing australian golfing fans very broadly here are probably more in favor of live golf than perhaps the rest of the world because we've been so neglected from the PGA tour for so long. Um, and that's, that's all fine. Um, so I, I was pretty confident that he wasn't going to get a bad reception coming back. I think it's more the expectation that um, you are arguably the best player in the world. Um, you could make an argument for both him and Rory and, and you both be right. So to come back there is almost the expectation that, hey, you've, you've got to be either winning this thing or at least contending. And if you're not finishing inside the top five, essentially it's a fail mark against his name. And that's just unfortunately where we put Cam Smith at this point in time. 
Um, and that's because he is such a good golfer. And it's similar to what we do with guys like Rory. When we've had those discussions about, oh, geez, he didn't convert at any of the majors this year, but you know, finished inside the top ten at all of them. So it's just the the floor, I guess, F L double O R of where we put Cam at the moment. So um, yeah, I th- I don't know. I think you you probably hit it on the head before. And I think for that reason, like I, we don't yet have clarity on where the majors are falling uh, next year. I'd suggest the longer it goes on, um, the less likely it is that we'll see bans. So I'd suggest that probably the players will be eligible for um, at least three of the four, maybe not the PGA Championship, but uh, at least the other three. So for that reason, I'm like I'm desperate to see him back in those fields because I mean that's been the criticism right is that you know you're not contesting 72 holes you're contesting a limited field event you're not testing yourself against um, really outside of Dustin Johnson um, or a you know Hat Reid going through a hot streak you're not really testing yourself against any of the quality players in the world now I'm not going to draw a line to suggest the field that he beat on the weekend just gone is of a major standard but you saw I mean, you saw him get back into a full field. You saw him play over four days. And what you saw was a player who was hitting shots that no one else in that field could hit. Mm. Um, not only in the conditions, uh, which were trying at times, but also the course. Like that, that We spoke about it last year when I was out there. Like that course asks questions of you um, that don't necessarily translate to broadcast. People look at it and think it's flat. And and unimaginative, and that's couldn't be further from the truth when you actually walk the course. And some of the shots he was playing were absurd over the last four days, comparatively to the field. So, like I'm I'm so uh, intrigued and excited to see him get back into a major championship next year mm. and really and really reaffirm how good he is. Mm. I think um, that's probably one of the big questions between playing fifty four holes and playing. 72 holes is going to be that difference. That's something that I'm really interested to see as time goes on. And if Liv stays at 54 holes, obviously there's the discussion around OWGR points and rankings and all of that sort of stuff. And it's very clear that you need to be playing 72 holes for for that to happen. Whether that changes or not is another story, but I'm very interested to see as to what effect that has on players when they come back into major championships or come back to events like this, whether they can, you know, go the distance. So I guess, you know, to use a footy analogy, you're playing three quarters every week and then you come back for four times a year and play four quarters. I imagine it takes a fairly different toll on the body, right? So, yeah, I think, you know, all in all, a really just solid performance is the way that I put it down to. I mean, had that sort of stumbling block just looking back here, on Saturday, that back nine um, had three three bogeys uh, on the back nine, which sort of opened the door. And and Jason Scrivener was lurking around for a little while, and and it looked looked like he might run away with things at one point. But yeah, it was um, he fought back bravely on on the uh, on the Sunday there, and to to finish with three birdies in the last seven holes, I you know clearly. When the going got tough, he just knuckled down and, and got the job done. Super impressive in the context of the delay as well. Like yeah. Sunday was a frustrating day, um, I think, for players and probably viewers alike in the sense that yeah. a lot of stops starting, um, traditional 
summer afternoon here in Queensland with storms blowing through plenty. And yeah, don't underestimate what it takes to feel as though the tournament's within your grasp only to have the frustration of, you know, those delays. And, and probably for a period of time, they're the very real um, chance that they weren't going to get back out. Uh, yeah. Like that shouldn't, that you know, that shouldn't be lost either. So yeah, he was, he was really really composed i felt across the four days on a variety of fronts uh, i think it bodes well for you know um, the remainder of his time here uh, i think he'd be the red hot favorite probably heading into the australian open this weekend and You'd rightfully so. so um but as i said you know forecasting through to april uh i just he always plays well at augusta i don't think i've ever seen him play you know poorly um to the point at which save for probably a, a Club selection error last year. He was in the box seat to win it. So, sorry, this year. Yeah. I lose track of time. But yeah, he's just, uh, it was perfect. It's it's everything you could have asked for uh, for him, for the tour, for the fans that were there on the weekend. Um, It was, it was an excellent showing from, from Smithy. And I'm really happy for him that he, he clearly uh, has chalked up a, as I said, a third PGA championship, but I would suggest one that means more for a variety of different reasons. I'm, I'm also, I also thought it was a really just broadly, I thought it was a very good test of golf as well. Mm. Just the way that the course was set up. Um, I was having a look at some of the numbers today. Obviously, days one, two, and three played relatively uh, more difficult than than the fourth day. I mean, overall, the course played nearly two shots over par, and that was inflated by the back nine, which was nearly three shots over par. But day four yesterday, um, given all the, the you know the interruption that we had, and um, generally it's the hardest setup that we had. Um, mm-hmm. Actually played um, nearly a full shot under par, um, and that was clearly inflated by the front nine and the back nine still playing slightly over par. But yeah, it was. I thought it, overall it was a really good test of golf. I was worried how the Sunday might look after going through the stats on the first two days and seeing that it, you know we we're 0.26 of uh, a shot over par on day one, then day two ballooned out to one and a half shots over par and then one shot over par on day three. I thought, what are we going to get day four? Uh-oh. But it was, yeah, it was, um, it was good to see that it was, it was a, uh, a fairly solid test of golf. And as per usual, the par fives were playing nearly three shots under par, which tells you everything you need to know about how far the ball goes at the moment. But yeah, I just thought it was worth mentioning that it was a good, good test of golf. Uh, and I think it's worth mentioning your exceptional work uh, on the stats. Uh, <laughs> Got them all here. The, yeah, across the four days. I mean, it's clearly um, based on engagement, something uh, the followers of the 19th to are enjoying. And it's uh, right in your wheelhouse from a numbers perspective. Mm. So uh, well done. Mate. Thank that's, you. That's, uh, it's been very good for me. I've enjoyed it. Uh, obviously, a little easier to access at some tournaments and courses than others. So. Yes. Will foreshadow not necessarily the exact same level of um, data coverage uh, across the entirety of the summer, but Drew's outdoing himself in the majors. There's no doubt about that. Anywhere where they're where we're playing across two courses, we're not getting the stats because I just can't <laughs> I can't work out how to do it. So, um, so anywhere where there's one course, I'll do it. I've got the template template done. But you know, there was some interesting things that kind of mm-hmm. that really did stand out. The par threes played quite difficult. They were nearly two shots over par. Um, you know, there were there weren't many eagles across the week, considering we had that drivable par four. I think 
I can't I even remember. I was just about to ask. I think yeah. it's the 12th. I think it. I think it's the 12th. I think you're right because that played nearly a full shot under par. That was yeah. um, the 16th hardest hole, the third easiest. Third easiest. Um, so, yeah, 20 eagles for the week and, uh, yeah, 95 doubles and eight triples or worse. So, yeah, it was interesting watching the fluctuations of how each hole played across each day from a stats point of view. And, you know, holes, uh, the 10th was the hardest hole that was pretty consistent across the four days playing nearly one and a half shots over pass. So, yeah, there were a few key themes which which stood out. But, um, yeah, I thought it was a, a good test. Um, and, and I thought probably after last year, I know that Jed is obviously, you know, has a fair advantage having grown up playing that track and playing around it plenty, but I wonder if they kind of went, we need to make this a little more difficult because we don't want another winner at 21 under or 22 under or whatever he was last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for as good as Cam Smith played, he's, you know, six, seven strokes off Jed's number last year, which is quite remarkable. Uh, when you think about it, uh, maybe just. Again, at the macro tournament level, before we moved down the leaderboard, uh, crowds in general mm. exceptional. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and look, you can certainly look through the field, and I think that's got a lot to do with it. I mean, you cast your mind back last year; we didn't have, um, you know, we didn't have Smith, we didn't have Leishman, we didn't have Fox, we didn't have Scott. Um, still had uh, Minwoo Lee, Luke Servet last year. What I think helped as well. Uh, I'm not going to suggest it's in the same ballpark as those four names, but um, the fact that it's a re-sanctioned European Tour event, we had a great international field, um, you know, uh, not least of which uh, Hisasune and and Chang Lee, uh, mm. Smith's playing partners in the final round. I mean, Takumi Kanai is a name you've heard us mention a number of times. On this podcast, one of the leading um, young amateurs uh, now turned pro, the the next great Japanese hope. Uh, he was a T seven there. Uh, Alejandro Canizares, a man mm-hmm. from your part of the world. You love the Spanish golfers, Drew. Love He's on T twelve there. So a great kind of international field and flavour to this event, which I think would have helped um, certainly uh, broadly from a crowd perspective. But the garris the 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 galleries, not the garrisons, <laughs> the galleries were incredibly impressive. Uh, and and the scene there, kind of behind Smithy walking up eighteen, yesterday was was excellent. Um, we we did flag how important this summer is. Uh, you know when we were talking a few times, whether it was a preview show or talking to David Evans of Cathedral uh, Lodge in his tournament coming up next week, we've spoken about the the critical nature of this summer and making a count. And it's eyeballs on the TV if you can't get there, but equally it's it's voting with your feet and getting to the events. And I saw that last week at the Queensland PGA, which had a great crowd. Um, and then, yeah, that was, was awesome to see. Uh, so congratulations to those people who put their money where their mouth is and got out and supported the event. Yeah, uh, the crowds were great from day one. I mean, you could see that on the TV. The crowds were fantastic. And and the party hole looked like a lot of fun as well, which, um, you know, that's going to continue to grow every year, which is excellent. Um, and, and it's those sort of things that I guess we've probably been calling for for a little while that aren't your traditional golf fans. And I dare say that there were probably um, 
not a not a majority, but a good chunk of those people in there aren't probably rusted on golf fans. They were there more no. for a day out. Um, so which is good to see. I don't know that. That's just me having a, a full swing at things. But um, well, no, I think you, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. I think there's people that are certainly attracted to this tournament in particular. And I know that there's geographical challenges. You're not going to get a lot of crossover um, patronage between this and um, the weekend coming. But mm. I would certainly think the PGA probably appeals to a different sort of crowd than the Open does. Uh, and and both the tour and I think also uh, the club in Royal Queensland deserve credit for that. Because, I mean, Royal Queensland, let's not make any mistake. I don't think I'm speaking out of favour here. Um, like local knowledge-wise, it's it wouldn't necessarily be um, the club you'd expect to see an Australian version of the 17 at um, – yeah. Uh, waste yeah. management, you know, yeah, being erected, style, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. So the club, in and of itself, has probably got to um, swallow some medicine. It's quite a, you know, traditional private conservative club, and they've clearly seen an opportunity to work with the tour to bring in a new crowd. And that's, mm. I mean, they deserve a, a big pat on the back for that because it's bucking the trend. I think of a lot of those clubs of that nature who won't explore any other way. So, you know, you saw it on the TV. Um, Wilco spoke to us about it, you know, last week just the work that's been done around that hole, you know, the evolution of that hole in terms of more infrastructure either side um, mm. running up to the green. But even you walking through a grandstand kind of tunnel at the tee, like that wasn't there last year. So constantly evolving the thought about, you know, what can we do to A, get more people and more bums on seats on the course, but B, probably just appeal to a different um, audience. And, yeah, it's, it's clearly um, – hit a chord i think the the key now will be capitalizing on that momentum and continuing to see this tournament uh this tournament grow so yeah correct want to go down the leaderboard shall we yeah shall we um so i mean scriv is the obvious yeah the obvious uh i mean you know f- all credit due to rio hitsatsune who finished uh tied for second with jason scriven three shots back 11 under but i mean scriv will absolutely rue uh, a seventy-four on Saturday because he mm. was he was right there, you know, sixty-five, two sixty-sevens, uh, bookending a seventy-four on Saturday, and that's probably his his tournament. To be fair, yeah, I mean that front nine. Just looking back here, had a thirty-nine, three over par, and that was really it. Managed to get around in even on the on the back nine, but uh, mm. yeah, it wasn't wasn't pretty. And then obviously the double on seventeen as well on Sunday kind of truly put him out of contention. I was wondering there for a minute if maybe sort of 12 or 13 might be enough, but um, yeah, he's he's going to be ruining those chances. Uh, other than that, he actually played quite well. Um, but really unfor- well. unfortunately, uh, you've got to play consistent golf across four days and and that uh, that Saturday 74 hurt, hurt Jace. I think if you look big picture though, realistically, like he's not been in the form that we'd expect Um you know, I think I cast my mind back to when we started this little venture of ours. This this was a man who was featuring regularly at the pointy end of European tour tournaments. Uh, and he's been probably in the wilderness a little bit of late. So big picture, um, trending in the right direction. And I'm sure, you know, he will figure uh, in, uh, you know, in contention again this weekend. So it's good to see him back playing the type of golf we know he's capable of, albeit mm. I'm sure disappointed um, you know, not to get it done. When it counted, uh, moving down, Minwoo Lee, I think uh, if memory serves, I'm, I'm reticent always to go out on a limb because I'm invariably wrong. 
uh, and I invariably get corrected. But if memory serves, I'm pretty sure he was T4 or T5 last year in the exact same event. Um, you might be right. So, you, you yeah, absolutely so be right. a tournament he loves. He said as much via his own channels today. Uh, I think he looked, yeah, he looked really good. Um, I mean, five shots is is not a close margin in no. reality, but uh, again, out the gate with a 65 to start his tournament on Thursday and albeit for a stumble on, on Friday with 73, he is right there. And he this is a guy who is in form. Well, we've said it, you know, he had a phenomenal run through uh, Spain recently on the European Tour and he's come back white hot. So I, I think he will absolutely figure again this weekend, but it was... Good to see. He, he's certainly someone I think who who draws an element of a crowd just by the way he goes about his business. He's not. Um, I don't think he's like many other people on tour. Uh, to be fair, and I this is not a criticism. It's actually a compliment. I don't think he's like many other people. Full stop. Uh, but certainly not in golfing circles. And it's it's. I love watching him go about his business. It's very entertaining. Yeah, I agree. I I really thought that he was a red hot chance coming in this week. I really did. Um, and interesting for. Min as well that he didn't bully the par fives like I really thought he would on seven and mm. seven nine and fifteen were the were the three par fives and he played uh, played him in two under um, including he was even par on seven even par on nine and two under on fifteen and that little stretch of nine through twelve um, he was uh, he was uh, what's that one two three four three over par through the stretch of nine through twelve and and hole number nine was the easiest hole on the course. And he went through in even par on that, as I mentioned, and then yeah, sort of got bullied by ten, which was the hardest hole, and and eleven, which played the seventh, and then on on twelve uh, wasn't able to bounce back, which was the sixteenth hardest hole. So yeah, there was that little middle stretch that really kind of hurt him there. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I think he'd probably walk away a little disappointed because I think he probably you know would have gone in with a lot higher expectations of where he was at. Mm. Um, but I'm sure again he'll be uh, he'll be fired up for this week. Quick sidebar, uh, mm. uh, instinct answer here. I need from you head to head. Yeah. Not sure if anyone's actually offering this market, but a head to head Lee sibling market for this weekend. Uh, obviously, obviously an integrated event. The Australian Open men's and women's playing the same courses. Minji Lee, uh, Minwoo's older sister was. F- front and center of all the promotion across the weekend down in Melbourne. So head-to-head Lee sibling market, 2022 Australian Open. Minji, I will say. I think the iron play uh, is probably just a little more solid, particularly around the courses that we're going to. Length is obviously going to be important. It always is. Um, But I think the iron play, Minji's maybe just got that class. At the moment. Well, simply for a point of difference, I will say Min Woo. Okay, <laughs> um, but I tend I tend to think you're probably right. So again, uh, gamble responsibly. Not sure if anyone is offering that market. If they aren't, it's a missed opportunity because uh, I'll be right into a head-to-head Lee sibling market. I'd love to see that. Uh, moving down uh, next up in outright sixth at eight under, a man who has had a fantastic start. Drudes yeah. to the summer. He sits outright second on the order of merit through five tournaments to our good friend Mika, David Mikaluzzi. Uh Fantastic again. Um, played really well, particularly I think, I mean, he, the 69 on Sunday is certainly not the best round that was out there, 
but it was an important one and he kept himself in it. Putted really well, I think, across the entire tournament. Um, he's, he's really found his putter, I think, this summer has Mika. But again, like I, it shows, obviously, the importance of winning the big tournaments. Cam Smith jumped straight to the top of the order of merit. But let's make no mistake, this is important for Mika because Cam's not going to be playing too many more tournaments. Min Wu, who sits in third. Um, oh, sorry, Jason Scrivener sits in third, I believe. Min Wu, fourth now. They're not going to be playing too many more tournaments this summer. Mm-hmm. So the more, you know, T top tens you can bag as a player who's going to be here across the, the full volume of the schedule, super important. And Mick has done it again. Yep. Uh, four four bogeys and one double across the week. So um, ultra consistent, just not making the birdies. I've nearly thought, I really nearly thought on Saturday Arvo when he was kind he was a couple under par making the turn, I thought, oh, geez, he's really sneaking up there. And then a 38 on the back nine really hurt him. But interesting stat, he is um, – so for players who have played 20 rounds across the, the course of the year, so all five events so far, Mika leads the tour at 39 under par. The next best is Dean Lawson at 23 under par. So he's 17 shots ahead of the next best player who have played 20 rounds. Then Denzel – Iremiah is next at 22 and Doug Klein and Chris Wood at 20 under. So uh, as is felt, my apologies, he's only played the 12 rounds though. So Mika far and away outscoring everyone. Uh, it's just a matter of limiting the bogeys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd back him this week. I think he's in very good form. He loves playing back down in Victoria. Uh, courses he knows very well. I think he's got, um, I think he's got a red hot chance. Um. Two things, uh, two things there. Four bogeys and a double. Uh, he finishes six strokes behind Cameron Smith, the winner. So Correct. that's exactly his six strokes. And secondly, that's outstanding statistical work. Uh, I, I can't it, claim I that. It, I can't claim that. Okay, that's okay. not you. No, that is. I must admit, PGA Tours app. They've got a couple. Of, they've got a little stats thing down there that I was just just rolling okay. through. Then there's like there's some weird stats. I don't know what. Um, a bounce back percentage stat is, and there's no explanation of it. So, but Jed Morgan leads it at 57%, whatever it is. I don't know. Um, Probably the only stat our good mate Jed's leading at present. Um, But anyway, there you go. So there's some stuff. Well, that's good. That's, that's good from them to be fair. Um, That's really good and deserves the the credit you have just given it. Uh, (laughs) That kind of reminds me of the cumulative. It's a Justin Ray special. It's the cumulative like under par at majors last five years. Stat and it's the one that Brooks Kepka is like a mile yeah, ahead yeah, of everyone yeah. else. Yeah. So I think we should keep an eye on that as the summer progresses. That's an excellent stat. I like that. Um who else you massive, got? Massive bunch at next at T seven, the Snake Charmer. Um Cam Davis, another one of those who's come home from overseas. Uh to Kimi Kanai, as I mentioned, Sam Brazel and Masahiro Kawamura, uh all at T seven. At leash, then at uh, T12 at six under, so he's eight strokes back, but uh, only one over par uh, round for the week. And certainly, I think, um, you know, played well, accounted, accounted himself well, I think, coming home, Druids. Yeah, yeah, look, I think it's serviceable. I think it's a pass mark. Um, mm. And yeah, look, I'm, I'm very reticent to say that Leash Leash's role is in the marketing of the tournament now because I don't I, I think he's still very competitive, but I think he plays a big role in driving people to come and, and watch him as opposed to fully competing in some of these big events because I feel like I don't know, I just feel like the game at times has just flown past 
and and you know it was only two years ago that we were kind of like still thinking yeah leash is our leading hope leash is our leading hope and then cam smith's just kind of bang from nowhere and and yeah so i don't think it's fully his role is marketing the tournaments now but i I feel like it's kind of almost leading that way and you could probably throw adam scott in that that same bucket tend to agree tend to agree Uh, i'm conscious that i've done a lot of selecting so there are names that popped out for you um Mm. that we haven't quite hit yet not really. I've just uh, a couple that I'll, I'll I'll throw. Elvis Smiley I thought was serviceable at T twelve. Um, hasn't had the best start to to the year. Um, Jeff Jeff Ogilvy had the low round of the day on Sunday with a sixty five after a couple of average ones, uh, and not too many other than that. I thought Jake McLeod was in contention for a little while and then dropped away mm. on Sunday. Uh, but there were plenty. Considering there where were... he's been though, oh, yeah. Like, oh, I, I did want to say Jake. It's it's good to see a smile back on his face, and it's Absolutely. good to see him enjoying his golf because I think. Uh, he probably the first to see there's a period of time there for probably the last six, eight, ten, maybe twelve months he hasn't been. So it was awesome to see, particularly I think back end of Saturday, um, they had a chat to him and yeah, it was great. Yeah, I, I he's when he's playing well, he's 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 great to watch because he's enjoying it, and I think that's a, a big part of it. But no, it was good to see him. Um, I think Bucky's head there for a while. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um. And then I just thought, you know, it was a it was a decent little international field as well. I mean, I must admit, mm. I was obviously very much focused on the Australians and some of the great names that were were floating around there. But um, you know, they cut to an interview with Adrian Moronk, who I was a little surprised to see there. As you mentioned, there are a few Spaniards. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. I, I and and of course, you know, the Japanese showing that is is always expected in the the Aussie swing. But um, yeah, I just I thought it was a really good field. Um, obviously, you know, Foxy didn't make the cut, which was a bit disappointing, mm. but there were plenty of, plenty of really good performances across the, um, across the week that I thought was, you know, that, that are worth mentioning, but we absolutely don't have time. Anthony Quayle is probably the last one that I wanted to mention. Quayle was firing early, um, opened with a 66 and 69, and he was definitely in contention. A couple of really nice bunker shots on day one and two, I think. And, um, and then sort of floated away over the weekend, but um, 77 on Saturday was tough. Yeah, rough, but uh, not too many others that I wanted to to give a shout out to. That was uh, that was all from my end. Thought it was a good tournament. Big, big vibe for Quayley as well, the moustache to the mullet. Yeah, so there's, that. there's a fair bit going on in the aesthetic there for a man who I know um, probably takes good care of himself. Uh, yes. He's a bit of a rooster on Quayley, so yeah. it's good yeah. to see. Yeah. It's good to yeah. see him back, uh, back up and about. That'll probably do us. Uh, we've been brief because uh, you'll hear a second episode that's coming uh, probably this week, which we're very excited about, which I think we have the people waiting in the lobby. So that's probably putting a, a little bit of timeliness <laughs> on, on wrapping this one up. Wrap it up. Uh, as, as we said, uh, congratulations to Cameron Smith. Fantastic victory. All eyes now point down to uh, Victoria, where we're headed for this week's return of the Australian Open. Uh, we'll keep a keen eye on that and be back in your ears with the wrap of that next Monday evening, Drew. It's a pleasure as always.